Hello and welcome to Retirement Rebellion. My name is George Jurgen and I'm hosting the second episode of six podcasts, which I'm doing once a month. Each podcast will focus on one book by authors who are pioneers in the world of thought and thinking. In this second episode, I delve into Dr. Bruce Lipton's The Biology of Belief. Dr. Bruce Lipton is a renowned cell biologist by training who taught cell biology at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and later performed pioneering studies at Stanford University School of Medicine. He has been a guest speaker on hundreds of television and radio shows, as well as a keynote presenter at international conferences. I cover seven ideas from Dr. Lipton's book, and with reflection, apply his thinking to how that impacts on life after retirement. And in so doing, challenge not only preconceived ideas, but also elicit new possibilities for life beyond retirement. In his book, The Biology of Belief, Dr. Lipton explains how our knowledge about our bodies and our biology is crucial in understanding how thinking can affect change and impact on our circumstances, our health, our purpose, and our life in general. The first idea is lessons from the Petri dish. In school, in biology class, we learned the basic components of a cell, the nucleus that contains genetic material, the energy-producing mitochondria, the protective membrane at the outside rim, and the cytoplasm in between. Conventional science perceives that the nucleus is basically the cell's brain and contains its genetic material, or DNA. What we were taught at school was, in retrospect, incorrect, because new discoveries have made past knowledge obsolete but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Dr. Bruce Lipton's assertion is that single cells are intelligent beings that can survive on their own. These cells analyze thousands of stimuli from the microenvironment they inhabit. And while a community of cells appears as a single entity to the naked eye, such as a mouse, a dog, a human, they are in fact highly organized associations of millions and trillions of cells. The evolutionary push for ever bigger communities is is simply a reflection of the biological imperative to survive. The more awareness an organism has of its environment, the better its chances of survival. When cells band together, they increase their awareness exponentially. As an organism enlarges, only a small percentage of cells are concerned with reading and responding to environmental stimuli. Division of labor among cells in the community offered additional survival advantages. The efficiency it offered enabled more cells to live on less. We humans are comprised of 50 trillion cells. Yes, 50 trillion cells. You heard right. It's absolutely mind-boggling.
150 years ago, Charles Darwin concluded that living organisms are perpetually embroiled in a struggle for existence. For Darwin, struggle and violence are not only parts of animal and human nature, but the principal forces behind evolutionary advancement. Though Darwin is by far the most famous evolutionist, the first scientist to establish evolution as a scientific fact was the distinguished French biologist Jean-Baptiste Lamarck. Not only did Lamarck present his theory 50 years before Darwin, he offered a much less harsh theory of the mechanisms of evolution. Lamarck's theory suggested that evolution was based on instructive, cooperative interaction among organisms and their environment that enables life forms to survive and evolve in a dynamic world. Today, Lamarck's theories are being re-evaluated. In recent decades, we have been taught to wage war against microorganisms with everything from antibacterial soap to antibiotics. But this simplistic message ignores the fact that many bacteria are essential to our health. The microbe-slash-human cooperation is the reason that the rampant use of antibiotics is detrimental to our survival. Antibiotics are indiscriminate killers. They kill bacteria that are required for our survival as efficiently as they kill harmful bacteria. Genetic evolutionists warn that if we fail to apply lessons of our shared genetic destiny, which should be teaching us the importance of cooperation among all species, we threaten human existence. We need to move beyond Darwinian theory, which stresses the importance of individuals, to Lamarckian theory, which stresses the importance of community. So how does this understanding of cells help us with respect to our understanding of retirement? First, just as scientists understood the function of the cell, I posit that the business and government got it wrong about retirement. A new understanding of the cell opens up a new conversation about humanity, just as a new understanding of retirement opens up conversation about how we live a life of passion, purpose and potential. Second, our existence as individual, much like cells, depends on collaboration, not just for survival, but also for purpose and meaning. Third, just as bacteria is essential for our good health, so a challenge and crises. The second idea of Dr. Lipton is, it's the environment, stupid. In 1876, Charles Darwin, near the end of his life, admitted the following, and I quote, In my opinion, the greatest error which I have committed has been not allowing sufficient weight to the di direct action of the environment, unquote. 
Yet his disciples to this day will argue that Darwin's conversion was made because of senility, as opposed to the fact that he changed his mind because his perspective on the matter changed. Dr. Bruce Lipton carried out many experiments to remove the nucleus from a cell, only to discover that the cell continued to survive. Following enucleation, many cells survived for up to two or more months without genes. These cells were able to live as before, but no surprise here, without their genes, the cells were unable to divide nor were they able to reproduce any protein parts. And this inability ultimately results in the death of the cell. If the nucleus is not the cell's brain, then what is its contribution? Well, given that it cannot reproduce, Lipton surmises, no doubt with a chuckle, that the nucleus could only be the cell's gonads. In the last decade, epigenetic research has established that DNA blueprints passed down through genes are not set in concrete at birth. Genes are not destiny. Environmental influences, including nutrition, stress and emotions, can modify these genes without changing their basic blueprint. It is now clear that the primacy of DNA chart is outmoded. The revised scheme of information flow should be called the primacy of the environment. Dr. Lipton writes, and I quote, Only 5% of cancer and cardiovascular patients can attribute their disease directly to heredity. 95% of breast cancers are not due to inherited genes. They are derived from environmentally induced epigenetic alterations and not defective genes. So how does this information on the environment help us with respect to retirement? Many people in retirement experience boredom, loneliness, lack of self-esteem and lack of self-worth. And they feel their life is aimless, with no purpose or passion. This state of being is unnatural and so results in ill health and disintegration, which is not because of destiny or DNA, but due to our environment. So, Should we wait till we're on our deathbed to admit that our perception of retirement is wrong? The third idea of Dr. Lipton is the magical membrane. Dr. Lipton's nominee for the true brain that controls cellular life is not the nucleus, but the membrane. The membrane is only seven millionth of a millimeter thick, so small and thin, in fact, that it could only be seen properly with an electron microscope, which was developed after the Second World War. So it wasn't until the 1950s that biologists could even confirm that cell membranes existed. Membranes resemble a plastic wrap with holes. 
Yes, a plastic wrap with holes. Dr. Lipton put the membrane to the same brain test to which we put the nucleus. When you destroy its membrane, the cell dies just as you would if your brain were removed. Even destroying its receptor proteins with digestive enzymes in the lab, the cell becomes brain dead. It is not a coincidence that the human nervous system is derived from the embryonic skin, the human counterpart of a cell's membrane. Dr. Lipton reached the conclusion that the membrane is a liquid crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. He then managed to connect the dots to recognize that a computer chip is also a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels in both structure and function. So what's the big deal, you might say? Well, the big deal is that this is the first big insight in that the cell is a programmable chip whose behavior and genetic activity are primarily controlled by environmental signals and not genes. Lastly, but most importantly, environmental data is entered into the cell computer via the membrane's receptors, which represents the cell's keyboard, if you like. So how does this information on the programmable cell help us with respect to retirement? Well, given that the cell is a programmable, is programmable, demonstrates that everything in our lives is fluid and not fixed. It means that we can change our mindsets and even our personalities. We will discover more on this when we delve into the discoveries of Dr. Joe Dispenza. The fact that our cells are programmable and reprogrammable changes the entire concept of how we think about everything, including retirement. It means that we who are facing retirement can reprogram our minds intellectually and emotionally to rise above our learned behaviors and become our better selves in the autumn of our lives. The fourth idea presented by Dr. Lipton is the new physics. Dr. Lipton declares that, quote, the physical world of Newton has been superseded by the quantum world of Einstein, in which matter is made up of energy and there are no absolutes. He goes on to say, each atom is like a wobbly spinning top that radiates energy. In other words, atoms are made out of invisible energy, not tangible matter. The fact that energy and matter are one and the same is precisely what Einstein recognized when he concluded E equals to mc squared, where E is energy equals the matter m multiplied by the speed of light squared. So the flow of information in a quantum world is holistic, not linear. Yet conventional scientists still believe in a linear flow of information. 
Dr. Lipton goes on to prove that recent groundbreaking research in mapping protein interactions in the cell now demonstrate the physical presence of these complex holistic pathways. Dr. Lipton states, and I quote, the mapping of these information network pathways underscores the dangers of prescription drugs. We can now see why pharmaceutical drugs come with information sheets listing voluminous side effects that range from irritating to deadly, unquote. A recent example of tragic adverse reactions to drug therapy is the debilitating and life-threatening side effects associated with synthetic hormone replacement therapy, HRT. Doctors have routinely prescribed synthetic estrogen to alleviate menopausal symptoms associated with the shutting down of a woman's reproductive system. However, HRT does not focus the drug's effects on the intended target tissues. The drug also impacts and disturbs the estrogen receptors of the heart, blood vessels and the nervous system. Synthetic HRT has been shown to have disturbing side effects that result in cardiovascular disease and neural dysfunctions such as strokes. According to conservative estimates published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, Yatrogenic illness is the third leading cause of death in the United States, with more than 120,000 deaths from adverse effects. A recent idea states that the universe likes speed. Dr. Lipton is not surprised as he believes that energetic signals are so much more efficient. Take physical molecules. The information that can be carried is directly linked to the molecules, to, sorry, to the molecules available energy. Take chemical molecules. Coupling employed to transfer the, their information is accompanied by a massive loss of energy due to the heat generated in making and breaking chemical bonds. We know that living organisms must receive and interpret environmental signals in order to stay alive. In fact, survival is directly related to the speed and efficiency of signal transfer. The speed of electromagnetic energy signals is 186,000 miles per second, while the speed of a diffusible chemical is less than one centimeter per second. Which one would your 50 trillion cell body prefer? The brain has long been recognized to be an electrical organ, which is why electroshock therapy has historically been used to treat depression. Scientists are now working on the beneficial effects of transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS, which stimulates the brain with magnetic fields and new studies suggest that it can be a powerful therapeutic tool. So how does this information on quantum physics help us with respect to retirement? Well, first of all, quantum physics tells us in no uncertain terms that every living thing on this planet is energy. We are energy 
and we must maintain that energy and grow. If retirement is a, quote, withdrawal from active life, unquote, then what we're doing is reducing our energy. We need to question why we would do such a thing. Yes, as we grow older, we do not have the same energy that we had when we were in our 40s. But nonetheless, we still have good energy and we need to use it properly. Because the more we use it, the more our energy grows. The second takeaway from this point is that we are custodians of our health. We, not our doctors, are the ones that must take care of the health of our mind, body and spirit. If something does not resonate with us, we must stop and question and even decline. Most diseases are environmental and not hereditary. And stress is a leading factor. So whatever is stressing you in your life, you should stop doing immediately. It simply is not worth it. Third, in retirement, we need to be aware that our energy is precious and should be recharged and not depleted. And the only way to recharge it is to engage in activities that we love. The fifth point that Lipton makes is that biology and belief are connected. Despite the discoveries of quantum physics, the mind-body split in Western medicine still prevails. The fact is that harnessing the power of your mind can be more effective than the drugs that you have been programmed to believe you need. This is not about positive thinking. It's about the separate divisions of the mind, the conscious and subconscious minds. The conscious mind, which is less than 5% of our total mind, is the creative mind, which can see into the future, review the past and solve our problems. In contrast, the subconscious mind, which is more than 95% of our total mind, is primarily a repository of the stimulus response tapes derived from instincts and learned experience. And it is habitual and thinks only in the present. We are completely unaware that our subconscious minds are making our everyday decisions 95% of the time. Our lives are essentially a printout of our subconscious programs, behaviors that were fundamentally acquired from others, parents, family, and community. The late American neuroscientist, Candice Pert, wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion, in which she stated that, quote, the mind was not focused in the head but was distributed via signal molecules to the whole body. In other words, your mind is in every cell of your body, all 50 trillion of them. Through the conditioned learning process, neural pathways between eliciting stimuli and behavioral, behavioral responses become hardwired to ensure a repetitive pattern. Hardwired pathways are, in fact, 
habits. Once we accept perceptions of others as truths, their perceptions become hardwired into our own brains, becoming our truths. Here's where the problem arises. What if our teacher's perceptions are inaccurate? If you were taught that snakes are dangerous, any time a snake comes into your proximity, you reflexively, unconsciously engage in a protective response. Not all snakes are dangerous. You see, perception controls biology. But these perceptions can be true or false. You see, beliefs control biology. Dr. Lipton believes that the placebo effect is quickly glossed over in medical schools. Quote, this is a giant mistake. The reason the mind is dismissed in medicine is because of financial considerations. If the power of your mind can heal your sick body, why should you go to the doctor? And more importantly, why should you buy drugs? Now, what I'm about to relate to you is mind-blowing. In 2002, Baylor School of Medicine published a study in the New England Journal of Medicine, which evaluated surgery for patients with severe, debilitating knee pain. The lead author of the study was Dr. Bruce Mosley, who knew that knee surgery helped his patients. He even said that, quote, all good surgeons know there is no placebo effect in surgery, unquote. Yet he was trying to find out which part of the surgery was giving patients relief. The patients in the study were divided into three groups. For one group, Mosley shaved the damaged cartilage in the knee. For the second group, he flushed out the knee joint, removing material thought to be causing the inflammatory effect. Both of these treatments constitute standard treatment for arthritic knees. The third group got fake surgery. The patient was sedated, Mosley made three standard incisions and then talked and acted just as he would during a real surgery. He even splashed salt water to simulate the sound of knee washing procedure. After 40 minutes, Mosley sewed up the incisions as if he had done surgery. All three groups were prescribed the same post-operative care, which included an exercise program. The results were shocking. All three groups improved. But the placebo group improved just as much as the other two groups. Despite the fact that there are 650,000 surgeries a year for arthritic knees at a cost of about $5,000 each, the results were clear to Mosley. And I quote, my skill as a surgeon has no benefit on these patients, unquote. The placebo patients didn't find out for two years that they had gotten fake surgery. One member of the placebo group, Tim Perez, who had to walk with a cane before surgery, is now able to play basketball with his grandchildren. When the mind changes, it absolutely affects your biology. Conversely, 
When the same mind is engaged in negative suggestions that can damage health, the negative effects are referred to as the nocebo effect. For example, listen to the potential of the following statement. You have six months to live. If you choose to believe your doctor's message, you're not likely to have much more time on earth. Bruce Lipton cites the story of a retired shoe salesman who was diagnosed with cancer of the esophagus, a condition that at the time was considered 100% fatal. The man was treated for that cancer, but everyone in the medical community knew that his cancer would recur. So it was no surprise when the man died a few weeks after his diagnosis. The surprise came when the autopsy found very little cancer in his body and no trace of cancer in the esophagus. His doctor said, and I quote, he died with cancer, but not from cancer, unquote. Dr. Lipton also believes that our perception, our beliefs changes the composition of our blood. And I quote, when we change the way we perceive the world, that is when we change our beliefs, we change the blood's neurochemical composition, which then initiates a complementary change in the body's cells. The function of the mind is to create coherence between our beliefs and the reality we experience. Unquote. So how does this information on biology is belief help us with respect to retirement? First of all, 95% of the time, our minds are on automatic pilot. We're not actually thinking. We are reacting to programs and behaviors that were fundamentally acquired from others, parents, family, and community. This is how the concept of retirement was embedded in our minds. It is something we end up doing like lemmings because we're not thinking. Given that Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest thing to do in the world. That's why so few people do it. It makes a great deal of sense. I'm sure you will agree. Second, the reason we never challenge the concept of our retirement and just sleepwalk into it is because retirement is an established habit, hardwired in our minds. Once this perception is hardwired in our minds, it becomes our truth. You see, Perception controls biology, but these perceptions can be true or false. And in the case of retirement, we know that our perceptions are false. Our belief controls our biology. Third, in retirement, one cannot stress enough the healing power and energy of your mind. And most especially when it comes to believing in the power of placebos, in our healing. The sixth idea of Dr. Lipton's is about growth and protection. Evolution has provided us lots of survival mechanisms and they can roughly be divided into two functional categories, growth and protection. Both are essential for survival. Lipton writes, and I quote, 
Each day, billions of cells in your body wear out and need to be replaced. For example, the entire cellular lining of your gut is replaced every 72 hours. In order to maintain this continuous turnover of cells, your body needs to expend a significant amount of energy daily. Unquote. There is a catch. The mechanism that supports growth and protection cannot operate optimally at the same time. In other words, cells cannot simultaneously move forwards and backwards. Growth processes require an open exchange between an organism and its environment. So, for example, food is taken in and waste products excreted. However, protection requires a closing down of the system to wall the organism off from the perceived threat. Inhibiting growth processes is also debilitating because growth is a process that not only expends energy, but is also required to produce energy. Consequently, a sustained protection response inhibits the creation of life-sustaining energy. The longer you stay in protection mode, the more you consume your energy reserves, which in turn compromises your growth. In fact, you can shut down growth processes so completely that it becomes a truism that you can be scared to death, as it were. Lipton asserts, and I quote, the simple truth is that when you're frightened, you're dumber. Teachers see it all the time among students who don't test well. Exam stress paralyzes these students who with trembling hands mark wrong answers because in their panic they can't access cerebrally stored information they have carefully acquired all semester, unquote. We are constantly besieged by multitudes of unresolvable worries about our personal lives, our jobs, our war-torn global economy. Such worries do not threaten our immediate survival, but they nevertheless can chronically elevate our stress hormones. Almost every major illness that people acquire has been linked to chronic stress, and Lipton refers to copious research to show that between 75% and 90% of primary care physician visits have stress as a major contributing factor. If we cannot control our fears, if we can control our fears, we can regain control over our lives. Is it possible that love, the polar opposite of fear, could be the antidote for stress and its related diseases? When it comes to stress, Lipton's answer to the ever young and energetic Tina Turner's hit song, What's Love Got to Do With It?, is everything. So how does this information on growth and protection help us with respect to retirement? First, given that each day billions of cells in our body wear out, needs to be replaced, and that in order to maintain this continuous turnover of cells, our bodies need to expend a significant amount of energy each day. 
If we enter retirement and we withdraw from active life, where is our growth going to come from? Second, a sustained protection response inhibits the creation of life-sustaining energy. The longer you stay in protection, the more you consume energy reserves, not just your pension pot, which in turn compromises your growth. So it seems to me that retirement can only make matters worse for us by inhibiting growth and speeding our breakdown. Third, we are constantly besieged by multitudes of unresolvable worries about our personal lives, our jobs and our war-torn global economy. Such worries chronically elevate our stress hormones and given that we have more time on our hands in retirement, this opens up more time to spend worrying, worrying about things we have no control over. The seventh idea of Dr. Lipton is spirit and science. Dr. Bruce Lipton writes, quote, you may be surprised that it was science that led me to the moment of spiritual insight. In scientific circles, the word spirit is as warmly embraced as the word evolution is in fundamentalist circles. It is scientific principles that led me, a non-seeker, to spiritual insight is appropriate because the latest discoveries in physics and cell research are forging new links between the worlds of science and spirit. Unquote. Dr. Lipton shares this wonderful analogy. He says, consider the human body as a television set. You are the image on the screen, but your image did not come from inside the television. Your identity is an environmental broadcast that was received via an antennae. One day you turn on your TV and the picture tube is blown out and you just have flickering gray dots or lines across the screen. But did the image die with the television set? If you get another television set and switch it on, you can tune in to the station you were watching before the picture blew out. This exercise will show that the broadcast image is still on the air, even though the television has died. In this analogy, the physical TV is equivalent of the cell or our bodies, and the TV antennae, which downloads the broadcast, represents our identifying receptors, and the broadcast represents an environmental signal. When my physical body dies, the broadcast is still present. When I fully understood this relationship, I realized that my identity, my self, exists in the environment, whether my body is here or not. When my physical body dies, the broadcast is still present. My identity is a complex signature contained within the vast information that collectively comprises the environment. Supporting evidence for his belief that an individual's broadcast is still present after death comes from transplant patients 
who reports that along with organs came behavioural and psychological changes. One health-conscious New Englander, Claire Sylvia, writes in her book, A Change of Heart, that she was astonished when she developed a taste for beer, chicken nuggets and motorcycles after her heart-lung transplant. On talking with the donor's family, she discovers that the donor was an 18-year-old motorcycle enthusiast who loved beer and chicken nuggets. Lipton points out an important difference between a cell and a broadcast. Yes, cells can remember, but there is a limit to their intelligence. I do not believe that cells are endowed with perception mechanisms that can distinguish and remember a taste for chicken nuggets. Even though the body of the person who donated the organ is dead, their broadcast still is still on. They are, as I realized in my flash of insight, while mulling over the mechanics of the cellular membrane, immortal, as I believe we all are. He goes on to suggest an interesting concept. Consider the possibility of an embryo in the future displays the same set of identity receptors that I now possess. That embryo will, tuned, will be tuned into myself. My identity is back, but playing through a different body. Sexism and racism become ridiculous as well as immoral when you realize that your receptors could wind up on a white person, black person, an Asian, or a male or female. Because the environment represents all that is, or God, and our receptor antennas download only a narrow band of the whole spectrum, we all represent a small part of the whole, a small part of God. Lipton believes that while the TV analogy is useful, it is not complete because TV is only a playbook device. In the course of our lives, what we do alters our environment. We change the environment simply by being here. We must take heed of the life that we live on this planet because the consequences of our life lasts longer than our bodies. Each of us is spirit in material form. Lipton attests, and I quote, I'm a spiritual scientist and I'm an optimist. I believe the story of evolution is a story of repeating patterns. We, he says, and I quote, he then explains, sorry, he then explains his theory and backs it up with some impressive mathematics, or should I say fractal geometry. He says, and I quote, we are at a crisis point, but the planet has been here before, and just as the dinosaurs were wiped out, so will the dinosaurs that are currently raping nature will become extinct. How can I be so sure? My certitude comes from my study of fractal geometry. Geometry is a mathematical assessment of the way the different parts of something fit together in relation to each other. Until 1975, the only geometry available was Euclidean geometry. However, this does not apply to nature. French mathematician Benoit Mandelbrot launched the field of fractal mathematics and geometry in 1975. Like quantum physics, fractal geometry forces us to consider those irregular patterns. 
The mathematics is amazingly simple, and the formula is as follows: take a number, multiply it by itself, and then add the original number. The result of that equation is used as the input for subsequent equations, and so on. With the advent of powerful computers, Mandelbrot was able to define his new math. The strikingly beautiful computer-generated pictures that illustrate fractal patterns should remind us that, despite our modern angst and seeming chaos of our world, there is order in nature. And that there is nothing truly new under the sun. I believe that the stress of the increasing human population will be responsible for pushing us up another rung on the evolutionary ladder. Unquote. Dr. Bruce Lipton ends his book with a statement that mirrors the message of my own book: "Spirit of Gratitude: Crises Are Opportunities." Dr. Lipton concludes with. And I quote: "Crises precipitates evolution. From the state of our planet, it is apparent that in order to survive the current global crisis as individuals and as a species, we must evolve." Unquote. With this in mind, how are you going to evolve? Thank you.